going to say, well, hello there. <laughs> hello there. But anyways, well, we already said hello, so that's fine. We'll just use that. Um, no. <laughs> we're going to use that. That's fine. This isn't professionalism. This isn't perfection. Um, I don't know what that's I was going to say welcome back, but I can't say welcome back because we did one episode and then disappeared. So, <laughs> hi again, essentially. One and done, literally. That's what we did. But anyways, um, I'm going to try and keep it more consistent this time. Hopefully. Who knows. Uh, so today we are going to do our first actual movie of this entire thing. Uh, and that is going to be Krampus. Not my pick, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, it's a 2015 film uh, written and directed by Michael Doherty, but written by Todd Casey, Michael Doherty, and Zach Shields. Um, yeah, we, you know, well, actually, I'm not going to talk about why. Um, we'll let the co-host decide not decide well tell us mm, i'll decide why oh. she decided this film so um megan tell us why we decided on krampus so hello again it's been a really long time um it's been 84 years it's been 84 years mm -hmm. literally since i watched krampus the last that's time. what it feels like so um i chose krampus because we were actually supposed to go watch this movie with a couple of friends had a really fun thing That's planned. That's right. We had a private watch party at a local Cinemark, uh, yeah. which was a good idea. It was hundred dollars with twenty of your up to twenty of your friends, and you know you get ten. It's twenty bucks a piece, and I think that's a really good deal to watch a movie with your friends. Um, but life went, happened. Life happened two days <laughs> before it got canceled, so we decided to quit the hay. Let's just watch it anyways. And it's December, it's holiday season, and you're a big Halloween fan. Uh, yes. I'm a big yes, Christmas yes. fan, and this I'm was not. a nice meet in the middle here. And that that's an argument we'll get into later, is are movies like these Christmas films or Halloween films? We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. But yeah, so we decided on that, and... Um, I honestly just really like this movie, as basic as that sounds. Mm -hmm. Um... I was really resistant to watching it when it first came out in the theater in 2015. I thought, that looks like a joke, I'm not going to go see that. That's um, exactly why I saw it, because it looked oh. like a joke. If anybody doesn't know, 80s, <laughs> 80s films in horror were not serious. No. They were fun, they were silly, there were some serious ones. You had your, you know, your poltergeist and stuff, but they still had some humor to it. But you know this feels this felt to me like when i saw the trailer that it was gonna have that essence of an 80s like comedy blend of horror and it just seems like a good time see and i hadn't cultivated that love yet um in the last couple of years we've discovered i'm a really big 80s horror movie fan mm -hmm. and that's just been a very recent development i liked 80s sci-fi growing up mm -hmm. but that's a debate for another day. Mm -hmm. um, but I hadn't given 80s horror much of a horror much the of, horror. A, of, a, um, of a look. And when I saw the trailer for this, I just thought, that looks like a weirdo Christmas movie. Because I feel like Christmas movies are very hit and miss. I, I mean, I don't know. I, the Christmas movies are... It depends if it's a Christmas movie or if it's just a movie that revolves around the holiday. I think there's time. a difference here, and this is definitely a 
Christmas movie. Yes, and I looked at it and thought, man, why did they make a horror Christmas movie? I was that was when I was very because into it's awesome. frilly and frothy. Um, Black Christmas. Holly, the best I movies had, ever. I had never seen it. I still haven't seen Black Christmas, but that'll be you know, a movie for another day. Mm -hmm. It's on the to-do list. But I chose this because we had watched it. <laughs> A year ago? Maybe last Christmas? I did show this to you, I, th I think. Didn't, you didn't see it in theaters? No. I didn't okay, so yeah, theaters. then I did show this to you a couple, maybe two years ago. Yeah, it was um, a while ago. Yeah, I just couldn't not show people this movie. This is like the perfect blend for me, so. So, yeah, so I, I just chose it because of our, our poor canceled friend outing and we were so looking forward to it yeah and we had finally nailed down that this was the one we were going to pick which i was happy about because i recommended it you did i planted that seed hoping it would take and it did and it did and then it got canceled and i was really bummed out and i thought you know what why don't we just have a little little homage mm -hmm. to what was supposed to happen and we could watch it anyways mm -hmm. and then give it a little chat so um i think this movie is really underrated um yeah, I think it is underrated, and not because it's, you know, a classic. No. <laughs> it's not, it's by no means a classic film, but um, it just has something to it that it, it kind of kind of checks all the boxes, at least for me. It has a little bit of weight, it has a little bit of character work, it has a little bit of excitement. Um, it has some comedy in it. It has the comedy, it has the horror, it has a little bit of that drama. Um, it just, and it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to intentionally, like, be a comedy. No. I honestly don't think it's trying too hard, either. It's just, it's itself. <laughs> like, the situations in this, in this film are both funny and scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a hard thing to do when you have, you know, a demonic bear puppet trying to, like, chase after you. It's funny... But it's also kind of terrifying. And we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah that's all That's all what is doing, so we'll get to that a little bit. But the, it's, it's just, it's funny, but it's not. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's hard to describe the balance, but there is that balance. There and is. It, it, I don't know. I think it's because, it, it's definitely because of the, the writer-director. It's Michael Doherty, for sure. Uh, he hasn't done much. Uh, he's definitely been involved in cinema or the film world for quite a while. I know he's responsible for writing X2, which is probably one of the better in the entire franchise of X-Men. And Superman Returns, which... Okay. You know, like, yes. But it's it's he's been responsible for... He's been behind the scenes in films that have had these big names and big titles, and we just sort of never really knew he was involved from the start. Uh, he also did the story for X-Men Apocalypse and he most recently wrote and directed um, Godzilla King of the Monsters. So... I love that movie. So. It's also a bad movie but it's fun and I it's think so that's fun. what I'm trying to say here is that it's Michael Doherty's fingerprints all over his films that give it that like... These aren't Oscar movies. They're but not. But they're... there's a quality in... I don't want to say quality and the lack of quality, but I kind of feel like that's what I'm trying to say. Like, There's nothing really to write home here, but that's the reason why you want to write home. 
it's it's got that certain je ne sais quoi to it. It really does. You just what'd you call me? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> My attempt at elegance here over an elegance. But no, and it's it's just but that's that's kind of the point there is just like you don't know what it is about it, but there's something there that his movies have, and for me. What made me really excited about this when I saw the trailer, besides the trailer itself, was the fact that I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's Doherty. And I had just, I think maybe a year or two prior, had just seen Trick or Treat, which I thought was a really, really must, much needed film in horror in that sort of anthology horror that we haven't had in a while because you've had, you have movies like, um, like Creepshow doing the anthology mm-hmm. stuff with it, and we haven't had that in a while. And but those were just sort of vignettes of stories; they weren't, weren't tied together. They were right. just tied together by this character, the creep in the comic. Um, uh, but Trick or Treat did that, where we thought we were looking at you know little vignettes, but they're all connected in the same town, same night, they and they all come into contact and with they, each other. Right. So I love Trick or Treat. It is so good, and that is a through and through Doherty kind of movie and so Krampus was easily just like okay cool he did Halloween right and now I want to see him do Christmas, Christmas and... in that vein and that that was that was the excitement for me it was a no-brainer when I saw it was coming through and it's funny because when we watched it well for me that first time I remember I looked at you and I was like why do I like this so much and you said well it's by the people that did trick-or-treat and Trick or Treat is, as you've come to find out, my absolute favorite Halloween movie. Yeah, period. It's, it's, a, it's an annual movie for sure. And it's another one too that I was kind of eh, about watching, and you're like, no, you, you need to watch it. And then an obsession started, so that's your fault. But there, it's, <laughs> there's there's a certain fun to it. There really was. And I sat there and, you know, we finished Krampus and I could not figure out why I liked it as much as I did. And it's in that same style. The humor is the same. It's just, it has that certain something to it. And I feel like there's no pretense. It's just, it is what it is. It's just really fun. Yeah, and and it's, it's really, it's kind of hard to believe that. Well, if you want to look at percentages, it's not good. Yeah, because I think it's I think Rotten Tomatoes has Krampus at a sixty-six, which is not terrible. Yeah. And Metacritic, which is a harsher Metascore, uh, is forty-nine, mm-hmm. which is you know it's not Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is a little bit more lenient, I guess, than Metacritic, but it's it's kind of in the middle. It's borderline. It's it passed. <laughs> and I think it's because there is that sense of fun. I know a lot of these reviews that I saw after the fact is saying that. There's no value to it, which, okay, I get it, you're, you're not looking for, you know, a character arc that's A to B in this most dramatic way, but you're getting enough with what you have, and just throw in a bunch of fun. But I do think that there is something deeper to this, that I watched it twice over the last week, um, once just for me and once just to pick things apart out of it. And I feel like there is actually a deeper meaning in this story than I think most reviews give it credit for. Yeah. Because um, there is there is an entire history to this because it's a, watching it at least for me piqued my curiosity on because they, the the film itself is so cultural because you have the grandmother character who is 
you know, from, from, yeah, from Austria and just doing all that stuff. Everything is done traditionally on her end down to like what she's baking that, that day. Yes. It's very traditional Austrian foods and all that. And that was something I noticed when you first see her in the kitchen, their entire island is covered in Austrian yeah, so, sweets and dishes. Yeah. And so there is a history to it, and so that piqued curiosity of like, I wonder how much of this is really cultural and how much of this was just fabricated. Um, turns out it's a lot that's culturally There's tied in. A lot. It's really interesting. Um, and it's funny because I feel like even though it's horror, it doesn't lose its like Yuletide feeling. No, it has a very. It still has a very very good Christmas vibe to it. And it's wild because he's actually. Like, a spirit of Christmas. A real terrifying spirit of Christmas, which we don't normally associate with Christmas time. No, Krampus is a real thing. He's a real which cultural thing. It's awesome. I want to meet him instead of the other guy. And it's, it's wild because he's older historically than Santa Claus and St. Nicholas. He's older than him. Yeah, a lot of people are... are the, the myth or the rumor, the conspiracy theory, if you will, is that... Christmas or Santa Claus, the character, the man himself. We obviously know Saint Nicholas was real, but Santa Claus itself was sort of made up to counter what Krampus was. Right. To have that sort of good versus evil kind of thing. And it's funny because if you think about it, he's not traditionally evil per se. No. He's just Santa's the rewarding force and Krampus is the punishing Right, force. because Krampus is still all about making sure you retain the spirit of Christmas. He's mm-hmm. not like trying to ruin Christmas. No. He's trying to actually uphold it. Oh my gosh, he's the Sam of this movie. Basically. <laughs> oh, I just had an epiphany. Yeah, we because Sam and Trick or Treat is literally the spirit of Halloween and he only terrorizes you if you break the rules of Halloween. That is his job. And Krampus And Krampus is the same you. thing. He punishes you if you lose your belief in the holidays. So, there's a trend here. Looking forward to Doherty's Easter Bunny horror film. Right. Losing the spirit of Easter. Losing the spirit of Easter and then attacking turkeys on Thanksgiving. Yeah. But, um, Whatever symbol you want to come up for that. Um, but, oh my gosh, that's just wild. I, I seriously, that just blew my mind there for a mm-hmm. second. Yeah. Um, but it's just really interesting to think about because in my research, because watching this, it got me really interested and supposedly Krampus is the son of the Norse god of the underworld, okay. um, which we traditionally associate with negativity and darkness. People forget in most mythologies, the lord of the underworld wasn't evil. He was put there. He was put there. He's just like poor Hades in Greek mythology. Yeah, they were just assigned the job, not necessarily that they wanted it. And it's a full-time job. Yeah. It never stops. So, I mean, in a way, anybody, you know, alive today knows, you work me, work me, work me, I'm gonna get tired. So, but it was just really interesting to, to learn that and that he ultimately came forth as the counterpart of Santa Claus and um, in folklore and tradition, particularly in Austria, um, Germany, Slovenia, Hungary, and the Czech Republic, um, where they have the annual Krampus run tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where men would go out in the street dressed as 
Krampus on the 5th of December and would purposely scare kids. Mm-hmm. It, the whole point was to scare them into being good. Mm-hmm. And the kids love it. The families love it. It's a tradition. It's it's all in good fun, but it's reminding you that this is a time to be good. Yeah. And to be grateful for what you have. And there's the whole tradition of Santa bringing you the gifts and candy and mm-hmm. etc. And Krampus is there to basically leave you the coal <laughs> in your stocking. Mm-hmm. And in old tradition, it was saying that Santa would leave birch sticks for the children that were bad. Mm-hmm. For Krampus to know, I need to beat this child, <laughs> which is horrible. But okay. um, they would wake up on December 6th, which is St. Nicholas Day. And the kids that were good would have their candy canes. And the kids that were bad would basically be, you know... Rubbing their little find hineys. Me a, find me a stick so I can beat you with it, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, their little penitents. Krampus came and mm-hmm. dealt out a little bit of, you know, reminding. Um, which in today's logic, you know, is technically uh, abuse. But it was just the old, it was just at the time. Oh, the kid deserves it. <laughs> they're, yes. They're a reminder that, you know, if you're bad, Krampus is going to come catch you. Um, which we need that reminder. So, it's like you can't be, you know, hey, I'm bad, but, you know, I'm going to call somebody if you do this to me. No, dude. And it's if you're just, bad, you can get the shit beat out of you. And it's funny because it's just there's two sides to every coin. So you have Santa, who's the good side, and then Krampus, who takes care of business mm-hmm. on the other side. But I couldn't find anything that said that they were at odds with each other or that... They're just doing their jobs. They're just doing their jobs, and they went out peacefully together, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So, it was like a little partnership between the two of them. Um, but it's just really interesting that this is still a thing today. They do the Krampus run every year, and it's just something that they look forward to doing. Mm-hmm. And so that was just really cool to learn about, especially since this family is Austrian mm-hmm. in this movie. And the grandma still speaks German, mm-hmm. I believe, through almost the entire thing. She does. Mm-hmm. And her son understands it, and her grandson understands it. And I almost think even the mom understands some of it, right? What Ome says? Maybe. I she understands I mean, she's, it. she does speak German for the most part until she has to do a lot of... Uh, a lot of... Oh, God, I can't even think of the word right now. Exposition. There you go. And then suddenly she speaks English. <laughs> and they make oh. a funny comment about Right, because it's like, what could you just be talking this whole time? But, you know. But, um, but basically she's very traditional. She's very into the spirit of Christmas and keeping that for her family. Mm-hmm. And that's why she tries to encourage her young grandson, who is the only one in the family at this point in time, that still really yeah. loves Christmas. He's the only one that still believes in it. And he still believes in Santa. Mm-hmm. And she steadfastly encourages him mm-hmm. to continue to believe and continue to believe in the spirit of Christmas and you just think for myself you know getting older I think I enjoy it because I just always enjoyed Christmas time mm-hmm. um, but here you see someone who really wants her grandson not to let go and you know you get and some pretty obvious visual cues throughout the story as to like you know it's more than just a grandma who's like oh it's you know my grandchild I want to make him happy no mm-hmm. she's like she gives so many looks and odd, like, 
the camera holds on her for so long, and it's just like, okay, she knows something. And she looks serious, and she looks afraid. Yeah, she looks point. terrified. And you don't get an explanation of why until, what, two-thirds into it? Until she learns English and exposes the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, which we'll get to, but it just was really interesting to learn, like, how this little Christmas horror movie is actually steeped in so much history. And that they actually incorporated a lot of that history into this movie in subtle ways or... Yeah, but I mean, it gets lost in the movie either way. People don't... People aren't gonna see that. Well, the only reason I noticed it was when I researched it. Like, there was an example, too, where some traditions believe that Krampus will eat you um, if you're bad. Mm -hmm. And one of his minions eats the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another one said that he would drag you into the underworld. And that's a shot and scene in the film, too. Two of them go into the underworld. So they do incorporate little things Mm -hmm. in there. Um, that you may or may not notice whether or not you know the history of him or not. But, since I looked it up and I saw that, oh, that was clever. Just a little nod to it. Yeah. Um, and then there was something else, too, that I had noticed. Oh, that all of his, like, all his little minions, all their boxes are Mm -hmm. in traditional old boxes. And they're all in German, all the writing on them. Yeah. And... Everything's traditional. Everything's traditional. So that was just a fun little thing that they could have easily just slapped something English or generic on. And they kept it totally authentic, even though you only see it for like a split second mm-hmm. in the film. So these are just things I appreciate mm-hmm. when I was watching it. Um, and it's part of why I really like it, because I think, you know... Because it's not just a movie, like a scary movie about a... Like they through their creature team together and it's like, hey, come up with this like mythology and this lore and come up with some cool scary guy. And it's like, no, this is the job was already done for them. They already had the myth, they had the idea, they just needed to put it to screen. Mm-hmm. And I think they did it in a really fun way. And it did have the potential, I think, to be a lot scarier than it was. Um, which was something that I noticed in the reviews for it was that um, several reviewers had said that the PG-13 rating on this movie probably contributed to the reason it's not oh, easily. as horrifying as it could be. Sad truth is that studios want money. Oh, big surprise. And they always force, practically force, if not they uh, strongly encourage a PG-13 rating so that they can get more money from teenagers going to movies alone without their parents and blah 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 and stuff like that. And that so. families were less likely to go see an R-rated Christmas movie. False. <laughs> um, that's for some reason there's a stigma on you cannot put an R rating on a Christmas movie. Um, Love Actually is rated R. Hello. Die Hard. Um, yeah, for God, Die Hard <laughs> is technically a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, so I feel like that that couldn't really be helped. I think that's something that wasn't in their control. But honestly, for this movie, I don't think it needs horror. I don't think it needs more brutality or gruesomeness. I think it's it's got plenty of it, and I think that's fine with me. I think PG-13 is a pretty decent rating for a movie like this. Granted, R would just have been accommodated to have, you know, blood. Mm-hmm. More blood. And... Because there isn't any. Hardly. And and, and an odd thing about why it would be go from PG-13 to R, say if, you know, 
Say a character is getting stabbed, mm -hmm. you can easily go from R to a PG-13 if you cut the scene from him being stabbed five times to him being stabbed twice. Right. And all of a sudden you can go from R to 13. It's such a simple cut, so R doesn't necessarily mean, oh, we're going to get more brutality, more violence. It's like, no, you're probably just going to get like an extra two seconds of scene where he takes the stab two more times, or more blood comes out, or you mm -hmm. see, you know, a blood gush. Right. But is that even necessary? It's not. It's not. Um, and we've talked about that too, that you don't need necessarily a lot of blood and Tarantino. gore and, uh, well, <laughs> some of his stuff. Yeah, he, he is movie, <laughs> his movies need it because otherwise it's boring. That's, yeah, that's a whole, that's a mm -hmm. whole different ball game there. Mm -hmm. But the point is, yeah, you don't necessarily need all of that to make no. a good horror. No. Um, and I just, I really like this too because it's Christmas. I kind of think, I like that this is a horror Christmas movie. But I, don't, I don't know why, just for me aesthetically, I just can't compartmentalize that with Christmas time. I don't know what it is for so, me. Um, like, snow and horror, for some reason. I, I just like the aesthetic of snow in a horror environment. Mm -hmm. Like, the thing. Oh, the thing is great. Like, the thing... It's not a Christmas movie, by any means. Right. But it... Just the snow aspect, it's so clean, so, you know, white, obviously. You just don't assume... You, that visual doesn't give you the aesthetic of horror or fear. Because it's just... It's white. It's pure. It's clean. But then it's forbidding and cold. But then, yeah, and then you forget and that it's... Yeah, it's forbidding and cold. So, and... Dangerous things happen in the snow. Yeah, because a lot of horror films have, like, a very, like, red is a big color. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, like, Suspiria. Dude, that movie's just pure red. So there's a lot of colors that associate that are associated with horror. Red being, obviously, the big one for blood and stuff. Well, and then when you see blood in the snow, that's terrifying. Because it's such a stark contrast. Mm -hmm. And there's typically no evidence of what's happened because it's just... It's just there. It's just there. And it's horrifying. It really is in and of itself when you see that. So mm -hmm. I think it just works. I think so. Um, and I think what this movie really plays on too is that, again, I'm going to harp on it's Christmas time. This is the time when we're supposed to be coming together. <laughs> yeah. Getting along and being with our family. And I mean... Anyone who's seen Home Alone or gone to their own Christmas gatherings, I'm sure, sees that a lot of it can be catastrophic and stressful mm -hmm. and, you know, people are at the end of their tether and I think that that's something that's very realistic because if you've ever hosted, you know, it's stressful. You gotta clean everything up, you gotta prepare food for X amount of people, they're gonna be all in your house, some of them are ungrateful, some of them don't even want to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie touches on this family that's just stressed. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think like in Home Alone 2 where that family was just at the end of its tether with each other. And mm -hmm. they had how many people? 15 people in that house? Mm -hmm. Good lord, that's a lot of people. Um, and this family only had what? I think 10 people in the house maybe? I think so. I say only. That's still a lot of people mm -hmm. in one house. Um, and they're relatives that clearly don't get along very well. 
all. They're completely different people. They're totally different. Um, the two, well, not I shouldn't even say the two. Um, all of the kids are completely different. Mm-hmm. And they don't get along. Mm-hmm. Even the siblings don't get along with each other and can't even, like, stick together mm-hmm. with their relatives. You have the crotchety old aunt that comes. That nobody wanted there in the, the first place. And she's, I think, my favorite thing in this movie. And she's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody wanted her there. And you have basically the Cousin Eddie version of an uncle in this movie coming over with his wife and their kids. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's what they were low-key spoofing on, was Christmas Vacation's Cousin Eddie's family. Low-key, I think they were. Like, the I, forgetting the baby outside. And it, I mean, yeah, there's also there. certain lines and actions you can give a character that automatically sums up where those characters are. Mm-hmm. Like, that one line alone can just say, you know, my priorities are kind of not there. They're not here. And... So. You know, it's you then know, you see their mom who's just trying to do her best. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, th- that whole family is dysfunctional, like you said. Um, aunt doesn't care. One side of the family's pulling one way, the other side of the family's trying to pull it the other way. Kids are complete. Well, kids are kids. They're assholes. Um, and then you have the mom who's doing that thing. But then you also have the mother and the husband who are also going through their own thing mm-hmm. because they haven't been a couple the way they should be. And they know that. And they know that. And then you have the other couple who, they're kind of annoying to the other family, but they're a strong couple. They are. And... So there's a lot of, like, give and take with both families. It's like, you obviously, you see one family is well off, their house is nice, and they do all these fancy meals, but then they're not a family. Well, I think they say straight up, too, when they come over, what, did Martha Stewart throw up in here? Yeah. Like... But they're not a family. They're not a family. But they the other been. family is so to what they're portrayed and what the family sees them as is that they're chaotic unorganized filthy you know popping kids out yeah but they're a strong family they're happy together yeah they're happy doing what they want to do and they don't have as much because i mean at one point i think it was really neat to see even though it was kind of sad Mm -hmm. when the aunt is wrapping the kids presents again she only has a newspaper to wrap Mm -hmm. it with i say only Whereas she's in her sister's house, who has all this gorgeous wrap mm-hmm. and gorgeous things all in her house, and you know this family doesn't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but she went out of her way to make sure they had something to open on Christmas, and she went to rewrap everything because the living room gets destroyed. Because mm-hmm. um, she still wanted her kids to have a nice Christmas, mm-hmm. and you can just tell like she just really cares about her family, mm-hmm. and the other family obviously. They do care about each other, but it's just so strained, and other things seem to be more important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, what, the daughter wants to just go smoke with her boyfriend, and complains mm-hmm. about her family. Mm-hmm. The dad's drinking in his study, because mm-hmm. he's stressed. And then Tony Collette is the mom, <laughs> she loses her noodle in the kitchen, when she's, what, blowtorching the creme brulees mm-hmm. for dessert, <laughs> and goes off on her aunt. Mm-hmm. And... But at the same time, you can see her perspective, too. Where she's like, I'm hosting all of you. You all come into my home. You insult my home. Mm-hmm. Please just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. So, you can see all the different dynamics in this family. So, and I think that was just something that's really authentic in this movie, is mm-hmm. that you don't have the perfect family here. Yeah. One, it gives you a chance to, like, it, 
it gives you a chance to see every character, pluck out the ones you like, and then obviously push back the ones you don't. But you get to see all of them change. And so the end result is the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of hard to do that when you're only given, say, two characters to follow and they're both the same. If you don't like them, you're not going to care if the result is the same. So if you want the same result and everyone happy, you give me a bunch of characters to choose from, different attitudes, different perspectives, so the audience can pick and choose, okay, I side with this family or I side with this one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you side with in that at the start, they're all going to go to the same result at the end. And ultimately, you, you find yourself rooting for them as an entire family unit. Mm -hmm. um, and you actually see this situation bring them together as a family. Mm -hmm. And they find that they're stronger together than when they're apart. Mm -hmm. And they can reconcile their differences. Um, which I think was one of the overarching things I took out of this movie is that they could become a family again. It just took this calamity to happen. But Right. Um, and then you look at the poor little boy who's, I'm not going to say it's his fault because it's not, but he's holding on to Christmas so tight and one of his cousins makes fun of him so badly. for That he gives up. That he gives up. And he throws his letter to Santa out the window and it's like, okay, Krampus is going to come in now. Mm -hmm. Like that was the last little thread right there and it was um, and it was just really interesting because it immediately, whoosh, <laughs> yep. it wasted no time. Krampus was on his way. I think it lasts for three days. They're stuck in the house together. I think, so. I think it's three days. And, oof. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens pretty quick. The, the tone definitely changes straight into after the end of the first act, which is when it all starts. It definitely kicks in and... It all, it all starts with all those the snowmen that come up outside. <laughs> Basically, the, the bodies that he's claimed become little snowmen outside. So, that, that's cool. That was really neat. And it's just kind of talking about how the movie shifts. Um, it's just really interesting because Universal made this film. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no Universal fanfare at the beginning. It's just the logo and it's completely frozen. And the legendary... They're frozen. Yep. And then it launches straight into Bing Crosby. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. um, beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And it's a slow motion montage of a department store being. Yeah, you get the tone right away. That, oh, this is bad. And something mm -hmm. I noticed on my second time watching that scene is that it's curved. Mm -hmm. Watching it. I don't know if you saw that. Mm -hmm. And that the edges are foggy. Krampus watches everybody through a snow globe. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, holy cow, he's watching them right now. Probably. And that's just such a subtle little detail. I'm motioning with my hands right now, nobody but you can see it. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was so cool because he's watching these people being just abysmal and atrocious. But I think that's a fun, <laughs> and that's a good intro to the movie, as I was saying, that tonally it works because you have such mm -hmm. a fun Christmas song. It being the backdrop of this chaotic Black Friday sale almost and yeah. you have this happiness in the holiday which is like hey we're supposed to be giving and thankful and you all you see here are people fighting for gifts charging their cards they look absolutely just defeated as oh, they're yeah. waiting in line to pay they got up early to shop they didn't get what they wanted or they they're 
They're spending so much money. They stampeded the employees and they just look drained. Yeah, they just look drained because it's just, it's showing you that, you know, hey, we have a happy Christmas song. It's Christmas time. But the reality is everyone is so miserable because they have to spend money, waste their time, going to work, and then for what? And for what? And then you see Santa, the guy that's taking photos with all these families, he's checking all the girls out. He's being mm-hmm. a total creepo. Mm-hmm. As it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, continues to play out Which the is honestly what Christmas is nowadays. And I think that was a really good statement to make. Mm-hmm. Was you have this beautiful, heartwarming song on with the lovely voice of Bing Crosby playing. And this just, this war on this poor department store is going on. But speaking of the department store, I saw it was the only thing they shot on a location. In New Zealand. In New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It was actually in a department store in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. The rest was all on sound stages. So that mm-hmm. was really interesting, I thought. Uh, a department store. And I do want to talk about that, though. Let that them do that. The, <laughs> um, the stage part is, is, is cool to me because they... They shot this in Wellington, which we all know, or hopefully we all know, it got its big boom in the film business because of Lord of the Rings, but... It's um, they, they went to Stone Street Studios in Wellington, and they built the entire neighborhood in that soundstage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about it, you think, okay, holy crap, how can you build an entire street in a soundstage? Well, the really fun thing that they did for that was... Uh, they map obviously you have to map out where the houses are going to be but they also used force perspective Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of force perspective in that in those shots where say you you're you're you know looking at your characters in in the background walking through and in the foreground you're sort of passing by brush or trees or a car those trees in that car is probably most likely going to be a miniature and you just have your actors who look far away now, or not that far. So that was a neat trick that they had to utilize the space within their studio is do force perspective. Um, a lot of the houses were also force perspective. Sometimes they weren't even built. They literally just printed the facade of a house. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And it looks like a real house. And then how? Ha- and then the fact that the, the snow was basically materials they used in diapers. Right? I saw that and thought, oh, that's interesting. It's not even snow. Obviously, they're not going to use real snow. The artificial snow is right. Diaper but fluff. The fact that they built the entire street and then they go through so many streets in the film. Mm-hmm. They go through a couple of blocks, and all they had to do in this in the sound stages rearrange the the house designs, the house locations, and then you can get millions of streets worth of footage with just the same one. Right. It was cool because they said that the ones that they um, artificially put in, or not artificially, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me. Um, digitally, hello, artificially. Um, digitally, digitally inserted, they purposely made them look like an 80s neighborhood. In my mm-hmm. research, it was saying that they wanted this to have that 80s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they purposely tried to make it look like the neighborhoods of the 80s horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I take it we were, where were we? We were in the Midwest, right? I feel like we were in a, mm-hmm. like a suburb. I don't even pay attention. I think it was Ohio. Was it Ohio? Um, it's really hard because there's another little fun fact that they named out a bunch of counties 
in one of the news reports, and I think that were mentioned Ohio, but there's some counties that aren't in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And one of the counties, I think, was the county from Trick or Treat. It was, yeah. So, it's just, I don't know if it's, it's obviously uh, paying homage to something, but I think it was Ohio. I think you're right. I think it was Ohio. Um, but that was really interesting in that they tried to make it look like those older movies mm-hmm. and the neighborhoods from those movies when they were creating these sound studios and then digitally inserting the visuals on them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that, that's... and that, But that's just the, the... the impressive part of the movie that I appreciated more the more I looked at, you know, the, all the, the making of and stuff like that. Which probably was why I like the movie more, because I think the movie's great on its own, but knowing, which you can do with any movie, you can look up research, how they make it and all that stuff, but I think for this one, because I decided to actually dive deeper into it, I think that's why I like it even more, because it's like, oh, I like it for the technical part of it. The force perspective, the the whole thing in a a soundstage is the street and all that, and this is more impressive to me. And then you think too, which we mentioned, being made um, at Stone Street Studios. Mm-hmm. What's right there? What a workshop. Mm-hmm. And then... What a workshop. The, the, right, the puppets for this film were all made there. Mm-hmm. That's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, so Richard Taylor, um, the guy, basically the head of Weta, um, who obviously, again got their start with Lord of the Rings and stuff. Well, they got their start way earlier with the Peter Jackson movies, but obviously Weta was established firmly after Lord of the Rings. So they've been they've been in the world, in the film business since then, so about 20 years now, in the big Hollywood world. Um, and there's so many movies, like, I think like, you, they have, like, Alita, all the designs for Alita were, were you know, basically were from... Weta, you have the Narnia, Narnia films, Avatar, um, obviously King Kong. So you have a lot of big movies that go to Weta for their work. And these guys did a really good job with all the creatures for Krampus. But the Kramp- the Krampus creatures are actually real, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, I think... They're, like, actual... They're not just made up... Like, hey, let's have a gingerbread here. No, like... Like, that's actually... In the mythology of Krampus, those are actually real. He had elves that were his helpers mm-hmm. that came and helped him find the children that were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also were part of just... They were like his little minions. And in the movie, they steal people right out of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I mean, it's done comedically sinister. <laughs> That's yeah. the best way I can put it. Um, my favorite disappearance, I guess you could say, of a cast member in this was when they take um, Aunt Dorothy. Well, because she just sort of just like <laughs> gets yanked. And they really did yank them. That was a stunt, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously a stunt double. But... But yeah, they yanked her out the window and then that giant jack-in-the-box thing with the uncle holding on in the back. It's like a Bucky and Bronco kind of a thing. like Because it like flaps him off or <laughs> flaps him as he goes through. Yeah, he's like hanging on to it and it's flying out the window with him. But it's just done in a way that it was 
it's scary and then they make it funny mm-hmm. but it's still playing the sinister score mm-hmm. the elves are still being menacing but <laughs> she just gets yanked out the window mm-hmm. and they make like a whoop sound mm-hmm. and i feel like in any other horror movie <laughs> it would have been a little more yeah in any other movie it would have been like oh they got drag through like the shards of glass and there's like tearing them apart as they get thrown through the window no, but she just she just you know peter pans out the window mm-hmm, basically <laughs> that's it but um, yeah so then and that's and that's all weta stuff too though it are the elves i'm talking about mm-hmm. and that's still just impressive to me that they were able to do practical effects because what is great with digital we know that but the practical effects the creature design and the actual mm-hmm build of the of the monsters like the cherub angel is um it's an animatronic but it's also you know the wings are done with just basically poles Mm -hmm. attached so it's simple mechanics i think the teddy bear is the one that's the simplest mechanic it's three puppeteers and that's it it's very basic it's literally old school like filmmaking with just the puppet the demon robot, I think, is... The demon robot... One. It's an actual robot. Yeah. It's an actual machine, and that's... that's But that's fine. It's practical. Um, the gingerbread men almost here digital right. when they need to be, but they did make a couple of them, I think. Um, I it, think the one that comes down the chimney is... I think that one was an actual... Yeah. Prop. Uh, my favorite, though, is the jack-in-the-box, because that took three people i think to manage you have one person doing the tail one person in the middle just sort of moving the middle and then the head of it and then you have the animatronics team controlling the entire facial expressions of the thing and i think that's just one of the coolest puppets i've seen in a while it was really neat um and i just like that they make it very personable after it devours someone it gets its little hanky out and yeah because it still has it still has like the human hands like it still has real actors hands but it's interacting with the face of the animatronic yeah yeah it's just really interesting just to backtrack a little bit um all of these little little minions all come out before you ever see krampus in the house oh yeah krampus is like literally the last like 10 minutes the big bad that comes down after they've handled everybody um but we do see him, not up close, but we do see him from afar. His intro, I really love his intro. Um, I really love it. Because mm-hmm. the daughter goes out, and then he's just on the roof. And then... And then he just flies, and then the way he just runs from rooftop to rooftop with the score. It's just a good intro. He's terrifying. And it's wild, too, because it made me think of in Signs... When the daughter comes in and she says, there's a monster outside my window, can I have a glass of water? And they look out the window and it's standing on the roof. That scene is terrifyingly good. That's what he made me think of. Especially when the son is looking out the window with his binoculars and he sees him standing on the roof and Mm -hmm. double takes for a second. Science takes the cake on fear in that one. That could be an episode. That that (laughs) shot though. Science terrified. But that's what that made me think of, though. That mm. absolutely terrifying moment where he's on the roof. Mm-hmm. And then he's not. <laughs> yeah. And then it's wild, too, because later when we do actually see him, you wouldn't think he could move like that. No. Because he's pretty yeah. decrepit, and he's Jacob Marley down with all his chains. and 
The chains are a big sound effect that they uh, they use for him. The chains and like the the hooves that he has for his feet. Um, but that's all Wet is doing though. They came up with the idea. I mean, there are images of Krampus, but in in mythology and lore, but they're all like like little playful demon looking mm-hmm. things. They look like little devils, basically. Pretty much. Um, but and I know there's some imagery of Krampus where he's cloaked and he has this face, mm-hmm. which isn't his. He's wearing someone else's face, and I think that's pretty creepy. Well, and that's part of the the lore. I thought was the, that you don't know whose face is actually behind the mask that he wears. Yeah, because he's wearing someone else's. Um, but again, Weta's work on that was pretty cool. The the mechanics of it were interesting. They had this really funny. It's gonna, he's not even like a buff dude, but he's like a pretty scrawny dude, and he's on stilts to control the feet, and then he's wearing this massive suit with these fingers that are like super long, mm-hmm. and the way he controls the suit and the way he sees through it is crazy. Because I think there's like a pimple or like a. Like some sort of face thing on his on Krampus's actual mask. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a mole or something. I think it's a mole, yeah. And that's his camera, because inside the suit, he has a little TV screen that's showing him whatever the camera that the mole look is looking at. Mm-hmm. And so he really can't see beyond just straight. But I think that's just really neat that he's in there on stilts with like 70 pounds of costume on. Oh yeah, that costume's massive. And he's just, he has to perform and also like look through the camera and see everything. It's like, that's crazy. Well, and his movements too, when you see him up close with somebody are very, I don't want to say graceful, but they're very deliberate Mm -hmm. and they're gentle movements. Yeah. And to think that somebody is inside this thing that's so heavy and is controlling it and is able to create that effect that looks so natural like Mm -hmm. that's huge so but yeah so that was just our little a little intro into that um yeah that's all weta it's just top marks for weta on all that work puppet work well and then i look at too um like when they go to the boyfriend's house Mm -hmm. and i thought god the work that had to go into making this house look just destroyed Mm -hmm. and that's somebody's job. That mm-hmm. set design is somebody's job. And then the people that put all that together, like mm-hmm. the destroyed chimneys and mm-hmm. presents are everywhere. Well, I mean, sure, I'm sure for shots like that is they use, they film like, in the real set and then they just destroy it and then they just redeck it for mm-hmm. a different shot. So uh, it's still like all of that work is really well done. And these are things you don't even, like, think about, that someone has to go in and do that. Mm-hmm. And that while some things, I think, are happenstance, this broke that way, mm-hmm. there are things that are deliberately placed mm-hmm. in certain places that you don't even mm-hmm. pick up on. Um, something that I noticed watching this um, was that even though we established in the folklore that Krampus and Santa weren't against each other, mm-hmm. in here every single Santa gets broken. Mm -hmm. Every single one, except for one. Mm -hmm. 
and it's facing away from everyone. It's not looking at any of them, and it's on the tree that gets burned, and I think it's the only ornament that doesn't get destroyed on the tree. Mm -hmm. Or not, I shouldn't say it didn't get destroyed, but still managed to stay on the tree. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because if you haven't seen the movie, the tree catches fire mm -hmm. um, when one of the kids gets sucked up the chimney mm -hmm. and a stray ember ignites the tree in a blinding flash. Mm -hmm. And the only ornament that I noticed that stayed intact on it is Santa, but he's completely facing away from the family. Mm -hmm. And I just went through the movie the second time and thought, how many times does a Santa get destroyed in here? Mm -hmm. Every single Santa gets destroyed. Mm -hmm. And whether he's stepped on, smashed, etc., Krampus full-on steps on one. Like, here's what I think of you, Santa. Mm -hmm. And I think it just really established that Santa's not coming here tonight. He's mm -hmm. not going to save you. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was a really interesting thing that they purposely did. Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice that the first time we watched it. Santa's not here anymore. No, I mean, that's kind of the, <laughs> yeah, that's the obvious point there. There's no one else. I mean, once you... He already said he didn't believe. He already gave up mm -hmm. at this point. And that happened at the, at the end of the first act. So it's like at this point in the, in the rest of the movie, there is no hope. Whatever happened, you can't stop it. No. You've already set the ball in motion. It's too late. It's too late. You just kind of have to deal with it and survive. But no one will because none of them believed. And when they do, it's too late. It's one of those things where it's like too little, too late. And one of the kids does ask still. Mm -hmm. I, I remember that they asked like, hey, if I do something now, like, will he, will we be good? And it's like, it, it's not. It's, it's way too late. Well, and it's funny too because the second chance had already happened decades before with the grandma. Mm -hmm. um, when it had happened to her. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's why they didn't get another chance this time. It was because they were already on the second chance. Mm -hmm. And they blew it. Which kind of makes me question, like, if the grandma knew she was on a second chance, why didn't she just tell him, like, yo, dude, just believe in Christmas? Then it's fake. She didn't really try. She I didn't, think she... she didn't like, try at all to, like, help him. I think she... Maybe she was just banking on the grandson being so strong with Christmas, mm -hmm. that, because that seemed to be what was tidying things off, or yeah. holding things off, I should say, before. Um, that he had the spirit like she did, and then when he lost it, yeah. that was it. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm just reaching for something, but that's how I looked at it. I looked at it as they were already on their second chance. Yeah. So... Um, which wasn't their fault. They didn't even know, other than Omi. But yeah. Um, at the same time, be better. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, but and and that's I think the that's why I think the opening is so strong, or the the first act is so strong. Why these characters are so like their responses are the extremes of what the responses typically would be. Mm -hmm. Because they want to emphasize really quickly, like, okay, these people are completely opposite, completely different. They don't want to make amends, blah, blah, blah. Because they need to get into the chaos as mm -hmm. soon as they can. And just, they're saying, these people are screwed regardless. So let's show you how bad they are. Let's give you the extreme of that and put them in the, the, the situation right away. Yeah. And, because there really is no hope. And the, until the, the end. The whole neighborhood, there's no hope. Yeah, actually. the whole neighborhood. Because um, it's just... Because they even said, like, 
one family's on vacation in Hawaii. They don't care about Christmas. So it's just saying like, all of these families around us don't really, don't really care anymore. Well, and it's funny too, because the house we were talking about earlier, um, with the, like the broken chimney that I mentioned earlier was actually the daughter's boyfriend's house. Mm-hmm. And you can see, oh, Krampus already visited there. One of his little demon gingerbread men are mm-hmm. like is stabbed, stabbed into the, the freezer. Yeah. So you know that they were attacked there. This isn't just an isolated incident occurring on this family's house. Right. It's the whole area. And I think that's set up with the department store. Yep. Um, and it's just, this is the family that we focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, like with any story, it's like, well, why this family? Well, why not this family? Yeah, kind of everyone a typical else is family. Same, yeah. And it's just funny because you could see at the beginning, like, the boyfriend was talking, you know, via, like, Skype, like, Skype to yeah. the daughter and is more interested in smoking weed. And they're complaining about their families and she goes over there, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, with the intention to smoke with him. And yeah. just hang out and get away from her family. She doesn't care about Christmas. He doesn't care about Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of safely assume then, too, his parents probably don't either. Right. Um, so their house got hit. The whole neighborhood's been hit. Mm-hmm. I think the whole county. Yeah, because it been shows hit. a blackout for the whole yeah. county. So it's just, yeah, this mm-hmm. massive sort of warning tale to everybody like hey you know if because a lot of people saying like oh it's just one person there's still somebody that's gonna believe it's like no somebody's gonna say that keep saying that until the last one says it mm-hmm. and then all this is gonna happen to you yeah so and then when they get their faith back it's it's too late yeah um and it's funny because at the end of the movie you see the snow globes right. and you look out their living room window and you can see the whole neighborhood it's them actually seeing the rest of the neighborhood in their own little snow globe and that's sort of the ambiguous ending there. It's there's a lot of theories about what that ending really means because I mean, if, obviously we've been giving you spoilers, so I'm gonna keep going here. Um, the entire family literally dies mm-hmm. or gets taken, and the kid is given a bell to signify he has been given the second chance no one else because no one else believed he is the only one that believed and so he's the only one that gets a second chance but this kid just wants his family back so he says screw your second chance and give me my family mm-hmm. uh, we don't know exactly what happens but he wakes up on christmas day to his whole family oddly being very friendly with each other Yes. Saying Merry Christmas, giving gifts, the house is fine, the neighborhood's fine, and no more dead snowmen outside. Um, and he gets one of his gifts, and it's the bell mm-hmm. that he rejected. And they all just sort of... It seems like they all sort of remember what happened. And they sit there in kind of puzzled like they disbelief, all, almost. It looks like they all remembered, suddenly, I died. Like, oh. like I died... So what is this that I'm in? And it just pulls back and yeah, Krampus keeps him in a snow globe. So it's like, is that just a symbol for the movie that Krampus will keep an eye on you always now mm-hmm. and that everything is back to normal and that was just a reminder? Right. Or are they really living the same day over and over again because... That's their punishment. Because that's what the kid wanted and that's what 
their punishment is. And so you don't know, but it's it's really interesting because in some fun facts I found, um, Mama's house is there from Psycho. A lot of old houses from 80s movies are there, yeah. I think um, the director put his house in there mm-hmm. in one of the snow globes, so then you can take that as just a fun little mm-hmm. thing or, ooh, <laughs> did they get taken too? Mm-hmm. Um, so I take it as my interpretation is they're being punished. Yeah. They didn't get out. That's how I take it. And that's um, how I take it too because that whole scene when he goes down to the basement and then what's the have yourself a merry little christmas is that mm-hmm. the song that plays while that song's playing they're giving gifts to each other the the way it's shot the camera that they use it's a very like fuzzy vintage glow yes so i'm like and this isn't real this isn't real and that was something i noticed too was that there's a glow to it mm-hmm. and the only clear part again is in the middle mm-hmm. and there's just this very warm feeling to the whole thing um and I think it, what did it end with? It ends with... It ends with all the toys screaming into the camera. Which is very, like, I feel it, like Jim Hansen, but... It was just um, a last minute, like, jump scare where, yeah. you know, it's quiet and all of a sudden you have all these puppets <laughs> charge the camera. Yeah, you have all these puppets. Um, oh, it ends with Santa Claus is coming to town by Bing Crosby playing mm-hmm. after it plays this... The more contemporary version of Have Yourself a Merry Little mm-hmm. Christmas, and that also signified something was wrong to me, mm-hmm. um, because I'd been tracking the the music that they had used and chosen throughout this whole movie, mm-hmm. and they had chose um, holiday favorites, like classic ones, mm-hmm. so very 50s, mm-hmm. um, and this was the only one that was different, and I just, for whatever reason, thought, wait, mm-hmm. that doesn't fit, and then I looked at how... You had said the camera was, and I thought, that doesn't look right either. This mm-hmm. looks like this is too perfect. Mm-hmm. And then the only Santa we see is the creepiest looking Santa. And mm-hmm. he just has this look on his face mm-hmm. that to me isn't joy. It's very like, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? Just very... <laughs> like menacing? Yes. Yeah. And... That also was a huge signal to me, like, oh gosh, this they didn't get out. <laughs> and then it pulls out, and you see they're in a snow globe in a workshop, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, all the toys pop out. Yeah. Um, so that's what I took from it, not to kind of railroad in a different direction there, but that was just something that really stood out to me, was that, that song signaled to me something was not right. Mm-hmm. And also, this is far too perfect. Everyone's getting along mm-hmm. way too well. And I don't even think the house is set up correctly either. I don't think. I think I could be wrong, but I felt like the living room didn't look like it did. Yeah, I don't think the director, Dory, even confirmed what in ending, what theory is true. I think that's good. I don't think he... And, and I like that. I like when, you know, it's ambiguous. It's like, I'm not trying to give you something solid here. I'm giving you an ending, which is... Can stand on its own, you know, legs there. But it's loose enough for so you can, you know, swap it with your... Whichever belief you have. Mm-hmm. So. And let's... The audience decide how they want to take it. Right. And I think that that's important. I think that's awesome when storytellers do that. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's also not forcing their opinion on you either. Like no, it's saying, yeah, it's like, did you want them to, you know, reset 
and start over or did you want them to suffer and i think they're suffering because these people didn't want to reset they didn't no. they didn't like each other before all this happened so i don't think i don't think you know they're to have it reset they were gonna all of a sudden be so friendly right and i think there's another level to their punishment too is that they just wanted to get through these three days and now they have to spend them forever now they're trapped together forever um mm -hmm. which i mean i think that's people you know imagine hell as being this horrible burning place and i just think imagine being stuck with someone you can't stand hell is pain regardless of until time when. ends yeah like um for all of eternity you are stuck with people that drive you absolutely insane mm -hmm. that's punishment mm -hmm. that's like the equivalent of standing in a line that never ends DMV. <laughs> yeah the dmv is the first circle mm -hmm. um, but so yeah those are just some some observations that i had and to go back to the music though i thought it was very obvious and yet at the same time i thought oh that's clever mm -hmm. um silent night was the one that really stood out to me because it was very beautiful i think it's perry combo that's singing it i want to say it was like Christmas um, music is not my thing. Yes, it was sung by Perry Como, um, this version. And he's, you know, crooning as they're all falling asleep in the living room. And they've let the fire die, mm -hmm. which is what's been keeping Krampus and all his little minions from coming down. Basically the only opening in the house now. Yeah. Um, because they've boarded up the whole house to keep things from coming in, which is also very signs. You left oh my gosh, there's so many overtones of signs in this movie. I mean that's almost um, those overtones are the same in most. It's the same movies. in most, but it's yeah. for me it's triggering a lot of signs. Maybe because that movie traumatized me when I was a kid. Um You forgot one door. Mm -hmm. Um But yeah, so they've let the fire die in the living room. And that was the one thing Omi said was to keep the fire hot. Mm -hmm. And some people could argue, well, why didn't Omi stay up and keep the fire hot? She's a little old lady. Mm -hmm. You know, like, give her some, like, cut her some slack. And besides, the uncle was supposed to be awake standing guard and he falls asleep in the window. Mm -hmm. And the fire dies and it's like as soon as the last embers are gone, the battery dies on the iPad that's playing Silent Night. Mm -hmm. And it's right where it's saying, sleep in heavenly peace, and then it just cuts. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, my favorite little character comes down the chimney. Little gingerbread. The little gingerbread. And honestly, these these are part of why I love this movie so much. Is I love the evil gingerbread men. Mm -hmm. They're hilarious. They're supposed to be sinister, but they're just really funny. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically beat the crap out of the poor uncle in the living room not in the living room in the kitchen, kitchen. Mm -hmm. and while the tony colette and the aunt and mm -hmm. the dad go upstairs to the attic to try to get two of the girls to come back downstairs and they get their butts kicked by a bunch of toys and they come back downstairs and he's like what happened in the attic and they're like you don't want to know i just got my ass kicked by a bunch of christmas cookies and i just about died because mm -hmm. I thought, what do you put that in where you can get away with saying, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was funny because they're shooting a nail gun at him. 
-hmm. from them boarding up the house. They left the nail gun on the counter. And he's protecting himself with, I think, a cutting board. No. <laughs> it just was so funny because they won't quit. They even get like lit on fire and they have a slow motion of it, like mm -hmm. GI Joeing at him, mm -hmm. and then the dog eats it. Mm -hmm. So they're just they're just funny. Mm -hmm. So I just imagine the cute little little gingerbread man from Shrek going just nuts. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> he's had it but it's cute because their little tin is in the attic and it's a traditional little cookie tin mm -hmm. and it's with you know the German logo on it and they look so cute and happy on the tin and then these monstrous little things come out of the, mm -hmm. the tin but they make their arrival like basically mission impossible mm -hmm. <laughs> down the chimney and one of the kids takes a bite out of his head and he just goes nuts and the kid gets sucked up the chimney. He doesn't even go nuts. He gets scared just, that he got eaten. That's what he... He gets scared that he gets bitten. Yep, and then he gets like grr, mm -hmm. his little face <laughs> pull him up the chimney. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, oh my gosh, the whole thing is just so silly. And when the elves break in, they're just like, well, you've got to be kidding me. That's basically what all the parents say as they're getting attacked by toys. And elves are coming in to kidnap them it's just like the elves are pretty terrifying though the elves are terrifying i think their names are what clumpy lumpy and dumpy i think that's I, what they're credited as they might be something else there's more than three of them so and i think the three that like we really see i think that's who they are i just thought oh no happy sneezy or sleepy here no um but i mean those were dwarves but that same kind of mm -hmm. vein there but it's just funny to me because you have these parents that are like, we're getting our butts kicked by a bunch of Christmas toys. Like, what is going on? And it's funny. Yeah. And then Krampus arrives and it's like, no, this isn't funny. It's back to Sinister again. Um, yeah. And then when he opens his bag, all the other toys that are in there that we don't even get to mm -hmm. see. Like, the only one I really caught in that two seconds we gotta see inside his bag was like a demon nutcracker which i think they did make i think they so, did make one i think he is also in the in the jump scare at the end before the credits roll too. um because i wouldn't doubt whether did a couple of prototypes of multiple toys and then he kind of just picked and choose which one he's he preferred but i think that's stuff that they enjoy doing too oh yeah if you get the chance to if you're a creative guy whose job is to like design and build creatures be a dream to come up with like demonic twisted Christmas any spin on anything that's popular in one thing mm -hmm. is fantastic so I think they had a field day and just kind of kept whatever they wanted to so I think so too and I think I mean that's such a cool job yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Um, and then just something I noticed too um, with that is even on those toys none of the shots are super far out everything's very intimate and very close up. Well, they have um, the ability to do it because they're real. They're on set. And I just felt like that added more to the intimacy of this movie and focusing on this family. Because the only shots we really see are sweeping backwards and up. Mm -hmm. And I felt, to me, I interpreted that as Krampus is looking at everything. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was what they were going for. Maybe it wasn't. But that's how I took it. Because we usually just see him in a place of height. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and most of those sweeping shots that show a lot in the frame are outside. And they're always from up mm -hmm. high, like in a rooftop. So that was just something I noticed watching this. Like he's literally watching the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Just what they say Santa Claus does. He sees everything. Mm -hmm. So just these little things that I think go unnoticed in this movie. Um, but actually kind of mean something if you want to sit and think about it. Yeah. So um, still not like Criterion Collection here or anything. Um, not gonna be winning any art house awards or anything, but uh, one two for their practical effects. I know that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, um, I think the score won like a small, like a like a music centered award, like oh, that's you know cool. thing. I didn't know that. Um, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So it. Any recognition that it did win was for its practical effects, um, which are awesome. But a lot of a lot of the nominations were for that, and uh, well deserved because, like I said, it's it's very old school puppet work and old school sort of just techniques. Mm -hmm. So well deserved for that. Either way, though, awards or not awards, I, I don't think awards are the definition of merit, really, but. It it deserves some recognition, and I know it's going to be seen as a holiday film, or for either holiday, Halloween or Christmas, a yearly kind of thing. And that's the only thing that matters, is, and that's what the director, you know, that's what Doherty even said. He said he wanted, he liked, as a kid growing up, watching movies that he could watch every year at the same holiday season. And he wanted to basically be part of that, canon. And... And I think Krampus has done that. I think Krampus has achieved that in that there's going to be a handful of people who are going to watch this yearly. Well, and in that camp. And that's exactly what Doherty wanted. He didn't care. He made the movie he wanted. He told the story he wanted to tell. He told the myth the way he wanted to tell it. And his goal, I mean, as with any filmmaker should be, it's like you're not out here to win anything. You're out here to just make something that's meaningful. And if you can make a movie that people will watch every year, that's fine. And I think a lot of storytelling that we forget, too, is these people make this, I think, first and foremost, for themselves. You think, what kind of story do I like? What kind of story do I love? What kind of story do I want to tell? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something really special about that. And yeah. it's just, I think this fits the bill. It's, I mean, he certainly succeeded. This is now, like I said, I watched it twice and I loved it in the last week. Mm -hmm. And... I look at it kind of, you'll probably kind of cringe at this, but it's like my adult version of Nightmare Before Christmas, that combination of Halloween and Christmas, and I can watch it. I, yes, I see yeah, your don't, face. Don't, don't like <laughs> I love it, but it's just that notion that it's still scary, but it still has the warm fuzziness of Christmas. I just want the scary. I don't need the warm and fuzzy of Christmas. <laughs> well, and it's funny, too, because I was looking at it, and it looks, inside the house, feels warm. Just from their lighting, mm -hmm. the color scheme. Well, the lighting in the house is very, the, these 
welcoming browns and these dark reds when the fire's hot. Mm-hmm. And She's making hot chocolate. Hot chocolate makes everything better. And yeah, it's the color scheme's also yeah very well planned. So. And then you go outside and it just feels. It's a dark blue. Cold. Yeah. And I just felt like inside it feels like Christmas, even when the power goes out and they have their candles burning, because mm-hmm. you can still see all the sweet treats in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. The tree before it gets torched. Um, you know, so that was something that I took from it. It has enough in it where it holds up to me as having the element of Christmas in it with enough spice where it mm-hmm. keeps it exciting. Yeah. Um, and that's why I feel like this will be, because I'm one of those people that watches my Christmas movies on a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like my early Christmas season where I'm still lamenting Halloween being over, but I'm getting myself ready for Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a good, good bridge between the two. Yeah. So, but yeah. So overall, I know when I first picked this, you were kind of like, "No, I like what it. I watch it find? all. I watch um, all the time. There's nothing really to take away from this. It's just a regular Hollywood movie that they wanted to make, and they 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 made it. <laughs> but it was fun to go into. It was fun to see like the different stuff that they did. Yeah, I'm more yeah. fascinated with the, the story behind the movie is more than the movie itself, so. We'll see. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this was something I thought you would appreciate, too, is the Carol of the Bells for Krampus, that they gave yeah, the, him his yeah. own. The, the credits, the song that plays <laughs> at the credits is, yeah, it's, it's a, their own take of Carol of the Bells, and I think it's, well, not Carol of the Bells, just mm-hmm. holiday music in general. No, it's credited as Krampus Carol of the Bells. No, I know, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's its own Christmas song, is yeah. what I'm saying. Um. Um, you're correct. And it's funny, too, because in the credits, they have photos of the production team. I'm assuming. And, um, because I was looking it up, and I'm like, I bet this has got to be these people's, like, kids, or when they were kids, and it's all photos of them having a really great time mm-hmm. at Christmas. Like, hey, just let you know. Yeah. I believe in Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and I was reading a review when this first came out and it was actually one of the more positive reviews someone wrote mm-hmm. and at the very end it said well regardless of what I think um, I'm not going to railroad Krampus's movie because I don't want him visiting my house yeah again it just <laughs> depends on sort of what kind of person you are if you're a big Christmas person it doesn't matter if the movie's good or bad you're going to kind of like it because it puts mm-hmm. you in the mood so yeah so just fun little things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically that's basically Krampus for you, though. I mean, nothing else for me to say about it. Um, the last thing I'm gonna say is that I think this, along with Trick or Treat, successfully made returns to a traditional fairy tale. Mm-hmm. In terms of how I've already explained that I think this they didn't get out at the end of this movie, mm. um, both fairy tales did not end happy. Yes, yeah, because life's not happy. <laughs> well, they were. They served as warnings for your children, yeah. and like, don't. Don't be a dick. Don't be dumb. <laughs> don't take people's candy yeah. that you don't know, kind of a thing. And this, I felt like it was a return to traditional fairy tale story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not always a happy ending, and mm-hmm. this is a cautionary tale. So, with that being said. 
I still don't believe in Christmas. Oh gosh, no. Well, I do, so I love it. You can have my stuff when I get taken. <laughs> so you can visit Krampus. I'll be leaving cookies out for Santa. That's fine. But, but yeah, so thanks for watching Krampus this week. I really yeah. enjoyed it. No, I mean, I own it, so I mean, I'm definitely liking it up to own it, so I do watch it periodically. So next Christmas we can watch it again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but I mean that—that's kind of our take on the movie. I mean, bouncing back and forth between everything that sort of pops into our head at the time. So, uh, it. I would, I would recommend it for a mood setter. I wouldn't recommend watching it at any really point in time outside of Christmas not because it's not a good movie but it's just it's not gonna feel the same no it's not. Um, it's not it's definitely not gonna feel very similar to, to any other sort of movie at all because and it happens only with Christmas movies I feel like where you can only kind of watch them during the holiday it just they don't feel right they yeah it just nice. doesn't feel right and so watch it November through December, and that's about it. And then just put it away for another couple months. Well, then you'll be ready for it again, too. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said, too, about not watching something too much. Um, obviously, we have our favorites. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Lord of the Rings and Aladdin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's something like this where you don't want to watch it too many times, I think. Because no. I think it starts to lose some of its luster. No, I already watched it twice last week, and I don't want to watch it for a while. Same. I mean... I'm kind of I, burned out on it. I kind of want to watch it again, but then again. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm good for another year, maybe two. So, hey, well, we did it this way because it was our, our little project this week. But, um, so I guess with that being said, I'm just curious. So, your rating of this movie, how many hot chocolates would you give it? <laughs> I don't like hot chocolate. Okay. Um, I do. <laughs> How many marshmallows would you give? I do like marshmallows. Um, <laughs> How many toasted marshmallows would you I give? I don't like toasted marshmallows. Um, You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> I don't like that movie. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't know. I just... I, I kind of want to say like a six. Okay. So kind of like what I am... DB gave it. Just the general consensus of it is, uh, it, yeah, it's, it has enough fun. It has enough is what I, it's for me is the best way to describe it. It just, it has enough of what I personally look for. And the only reason why it gets higher marks than it should is because of the, the production itself. The puppet work, the practical stuff. I don't like CG hardly ever. So, unless it's used well, which is kind of rare. But, yeah, a six would be fine for me. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much the average what we saw. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little biased. I'd give it a seven. Mm -hmm. But we've discussed already that I'm kind of biased. You're not biased. I'm just hard to please. I just... This, is, this very much speaks to what I like. So, um... Yeah, if I can fast forward the first half of that movie and just go straight to the killing stuff, I'd rather, I'd prefer that. I don't care much for the whole setting the Christmas tone. No. I'm not a Christmas person. See, and I think a lot of the best humor comes from that. Um, mm -hmm. Just from 
the jokes that we use at Christmas time. Like Aunt Dorothy making peppermint schnapps and then giving it to the kids. And mm-hmm. just some of the silliness, I think, come, comes out of the holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and sets it up for the horror that's to come. So that's why I would give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven hot chocolates because I like hot chocolate. Okay. <laughs> your hot chocolate I'm enjoying my whiskey <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here drinking iced coffee right now but, um, I'm drinking vodka so go for you here we are um, um, but yeah so I think that's our review of Krampus I don't even think we reviewed it we kind of just sort of talked, talked about, about it about which it. is fine with me I'm not um, here to, to to pluck reviews I just want to talk well and here's the thing too is you know more about film than I do. Yeah, but how um, much to extract from this? But, and I know this one was kind of challenging because there wasn't, like you just said, a lot to extract, but I think there was enough to have a good time with. No, there's still good time. I mean, there's always yeah. something to extract from either, unless it's intentionally, like, it's like an Ed Wood movie, which in that case, don't even bother. But, <laughs> yeah, there's always something to extract. So, like I said, the reason why I liked it more is because of the actual production, the way it was done, not necessarily the film. So, um, and that's kind of what we're going to be doing. I think my next pick, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be something that we can probably look at and sort of examine deeper than Krampus was. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what it is yet. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Coming soon. Um, yeah. there's going to be a mini cast in our future, so look forward to Well, that. that's TBD. We'll and see. We'll see. Um, it's based on the willingness of other people to lend their voices to this, essentially. Because I know it's not easy to... Which is really ridiculous. It's not easy to talk. <laughs> it's weird. It's Something really... you do all the time and yet it's difficult. Right. So that could potentially be coming and that's on a more decided um, yes. topic, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, you've got some homework to do to pick something because I picked this one. Mm-hmm. And this will be a nice exploration to see mm-hmm. what each of us likes. <laughs> so I like movies that make people feel like shit. So look forward to that. Well, and I like a little bit of everything. So I mean, I like a bit of everything too. But <laughs> the best movies are the ones that make you feel most of the time like shit. That means it did a job right. I'm having. If you scenes. watch a movie and you don't feel anything, <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> so. You need um, to feel something. Yeah. No, so agree. I'll find out. I'll, I'll decide. But in the meantime, I guess... I'll just watch whatever I can. Well, let me know soon, because I'm going to watch. That's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll get, we'll get there. But mm-hmm. anyway, well... Thank you, Krampus. Please don't come to my house. You can come to mine. And you can come hang out with Adrian. Um, I'll take Krampus. I'll take one of the gingerbreads, but that's it. So yeah, yeah. So we will figure it out what the next one will be, and we will be back with that. Um, hopefully, some fun things in between. And I guess in the meantime, just keep watching movies. Thanks for listening. Go to a theater, please, when they reopen. Don't let those things shut down. <laughs> I pray, please. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye.